Welcome to Dig It. This is The Speaker with my co-host, The Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you guys doing? Doing good. That's good. I'm still at the office, so <laughs> I still haven't got my internet fixed yet. Yeah, close to a month, eh? So I've made a new home here. Mm. It's, um, it's interesting. I would have gone not, postal by now. And not very cozy. Uh, yeah, but it comes a point where you're just like, eh, what can I do? Uh, okay, so we've got some interesting stuff to get into today. We're going to go into a little bit about what's going on with this Trump impeachment situation from there going to move on to Giuliani getting subpoenaed and him threatening to sue House Dems we will talk a little bit about is Hillary running again question mark because Corey's got a few interesting things to talk to about that one Barr and Pompeo traveling to Italy and a few other five eyes uh, countries the Vatican being raided and I'm just going to give you a bit of an update on Hong Kong at the end and what's going on with the protests over there so let's start off with this impeachment thing, Edge. All right. So last week, before the media just went all in on this story, the polls were showing that America does not want an impeachment inquiry. They are not interested in this at all. It looks like another Russia hoax, attempted coup, you know, sort of thing. And so the polls now are magically showing that people are in favor of this, but we all know how the polls went in 2016. So don't worry, people. I doubt that the majority of America is interested in this impeachment inquiry. It is going to bite them in the ass as usual. Rosie, sorry, just to interrupt real quick. Rosie and Crystal both did their little polls on Twitter. It was pretty <laughs> funny because they both got obliterated by us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rosie deleted her. You know, they were asking pretty much about is Trump doing his job or should we impeach Trump? And and I think we sat at like 55 or 58 percent on Trump's side, obviously. So that just goes to show. Yeah. So the fake news wants to characterize Trump's phone calls with leaders like the Ukraine and Australia as though there was something inappropriate about it. When President Trump was asking them to cooperate with the DOJ and get to the bottom of really what happened in 2016 with election interference, which is exactly what Bob Mueller's job was supposed to be about and that Dems all supported it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But he totally failed in that job and so now they want to completely shut down an actual investigation into the Russia hoax, which is what this whole impeachment inquiry is about. So the House Dems have plans to issue new subpoenas and have the White House produce documents and have warned the White House and Pompeo not to obstruct their probe. And Trump has said this whistleblower was a spy, which it turns out that this whistleblower did actually actually work for the CIA and the intelligence community coincidentally changed the rules of the whistleblower complaint just prior to this whistleblower filing the complaint. That should tell you all you need to know that right. any, anyone with a brain should yes. look at that and go, come on. Right. So this change to the rules of the whistleblower complaint allows hearsay and this whistleblower's complaint was based entirely on hearsay. So it doesn't seem like a coincidence there. So the ICIG, his name is Atkinson. He was the one who approved this whistleblower complaint, moved it forward, and gave it the stamp of approval as a credible complaint. So this ICIG Atkinson will be testifying before the House Intel Committee, and we've dug a little into this guy. He worked in 2016 and 2017 at the DOJ. He was working directly under two individuals, Carlin 
and McCord, who were directly involved in the counter intel probe into the Trump campaign and the setup of Flynn. So he's a Mueller guy. He's a holdover. He's uh, in alliance with them. So Atkinson's going to be testifying very shortly, probably prior to this podcast actually being released. Then we have a couple others who have been subpoenaed to testify and listen to these guys. So they're going to have the former Ukrainian ambassador, Maria Yayanovich. Mm. She is an Obama appointee. She was fired, but prior to that, she was, so she was an Obama-appointed Ukrainian ambassador who was there during the time of the 2016 election. And she then later refused visas to Ukrainians who had important information about Obama that they wanted to give Trump. But during the 2016 election, the Ukrainian government and the embassy and the intelligence community in the Ukraine were working closely with a Ukrainian political operative. We talked about this last week, Alexandra Chalupa, who worked for the DNC, and they were passing information along about Manafort to this Ukrainian operative that worked for the DNC to try and damage the Trump campaign. So she's going to be subpoenaed and testifying at this House Intel Committee (laughs) hearing. And then we have Kurt Volker, who has also been subpoenaed to testify before the House Intel Committee. And he is the former U.S. Special Envoy to Ukraine. He just resigned last Friday. He is the one who contacted Rudy Giuliani to set up the meeting with a top Ukrainian advisor to Zelensky. Okay, Volker is currently the head of the McCain Institute. Okay, (laughs) follow me here. McCain Institute has a close connection to the origins of the dirty dossier. Okay, David Kramer is also a part of the McCain Institute. And David Kramer is allegedly one of the people who was leaking the dossier to the press okay so it's allegedly been reported that mccain institute was part of the origins of the dirty dossier and so volker is the head of mccain institute and it's alleged that volker set up this call or this communication between rudy giuliani and Zelensky, the current ukrainian president his top advisor Okay, so it's looking like it was a setup and that Volker was part of the conspiracy to set Giuliani up. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so this leads us to Giuliani, his documents regarding contacts and records and so forth with the Ukraine have been subpoenaed as well. So Giuliani, to counter this, he's considering a major lawsuit using Adam Schiff as a small example as to why alleging that Schiff advanced information he knew was false in order to frame Trump and Giuliani. Yep. So that's where we're at with this impeachment inquiry. Number one, it's basically they're trying to stop any kind of real investigation into what election interference occurred with the 2016 election. And they are subpoenaing all these deep state players who are going to provide the testimony that they want to hear. And they're also subpoenaing Giuliani's records and Giuliani's 
countering with a potential lawsuit. They've got a few multiple things that they're trying to do with it. One, they know they can't beat Trump fairly in 2020. Mm -hmm. they, they know this. They don't have a candidate. They don't. No one will be able to beat him straight up, right? Like, I, I hope they do impeach him. I really do. Because nothing's going to come, come out of it anyway. He won't be removed from office. And then once he wins the presidential election again, right, it will show you half, more than half of America that voted for you. And right. it, it, it will show you straight damn bias once again. <laughs> they don't care about the people. I'm hoping, like, someone like Warren or something gets the nomination. <laughs> I, I really do. Because, like, there's, there's no one there that can debate Trump. Right, no. you, you, you can't debate him. Man, you got someone like Warren coming up. It's going to be funny as hell watching him call her Pocahontas. Right? Oh, they've, well. got, they've got no way to combat his sort of debating style. No, <laughs> no, they're, abs it. they're absolutely screwed, and that's one of the reasons why Hillary's been speaking out. You know the way she has, and Bannon kind of took that to a whole new level. Let, let me just read you a few things that. Hillary has tweeted or said in a speech. So during a speech at Georgetown University, she said, Trump has endangered us all by putting his personal and political interests ahead of the interests of the American people. And then in tweets, she said, the president is a corrupt human tornado. The president asked a foreign power to help him win an election. Again, the president of the United States has betrayed our country. That's not a political statement. It's a harsh reality and we must act. He is a clear and present danger to the things that keep us strong and free. I define impeachment. Define projection. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> the whole thing they're doing right now with Trump and Ukraine and making it sound like he tried to pressure the Ukrainian president and withhold funds. And they're basically taking the story of Biden and trying to spin and project that onto Trump and take some of the heat off of Biden. It's it's just so transparent. So funny that like it, first it was Russia, now it's Ukraine. They don't stop. Like it, it's, it's, it's no, ridiculous. they don't. And they don't come up with anything original. It's always... No. <laughs> they God, just project give us, give what they do to onto like, others. Yeah, give us something to at least dig into, man. This is like so transparent and absurd. You just look at it and laugh and go, ah, that's what they're doing there. And so what happened then is Bannon goes on an interview, I believe it was on Fox, and he says, and I'm just like summarizing. I mean, these are his exact words, but I cut out a couple sentences. He says, they will throw Biden away to get to Trump and hope Elizabeth Warren or I even think Hillary Clinton or Bloomberg or some centrist comes in here. Hillary Clinton came out yesterday saying Trump's an illegal president, a clear and present danger, an illegitimate president. She's running. She's just trying to decide how to fit her way in. Now, I totally disagree with this. I've always said I don't think she will run. I don't believe she will run. There's a million and one reasons why she shouldn't run. He's making it sound like because she said these things, you know, she's getting really heated and coming after Trump. Well, yeah, because she's trying to back the impeachment thing. They're kicking that up 10 notches. So they need her on board with kicking that up 10 notches. And if you go back through her Twitter feed over the last three years, you'll see how she's been on board with this since the beginning. Back in July, she said, the Trump administration is preparing sweeping raids on undocumented people as the president threatens to go against the Supreme Court and demand citizenship information through the census. Weaponized fear and bigotry are the central projects of this administration. And then back in May, she says, the president hasn't just refused, yeah, hasn't just refused to condemn a foreign power that attacked our democracy. He's also failed to protect the country's voting systems and future against future attacks. 
He betrays his oath every day. She's always saying stuff like this. She's on board and in sync with whatever it is, whatever agenda it is they're pushing. Vanity Fair reported Clinton has firmly denied any interest in the 2020 race. The Hill reported that Clinton has dismissed any speculation of a third run for president. She was on The View, and <laughs> I didn't watch it, of course, but on their Twitter page, they posted some clips, and I did, I did watch a couple of clips where she's pretty much, you know, like one of her statements is, this is comical, you guys will love this. I do think that he knows that he's an illegitimate president, and because of that, he's very insecure about it. <laughs> <laughs> So the show apparently ended with them eagerly asking her if she was running again in 2020, which she has denied. So she's continuously denied this. And what we see happen is like every few months, this comes out. You guys have seen it. It, it seems almost like a perfect cycle. About every three months, we see, oh, Hillary's running for president and everyone gets, goes into this big panic. And I'm telling you, I mean, hey, if it happens and I'm wrong, I will happily admit it. But my, the entire time that this has been coming out over the, I mean, it's been coming out over the past year, this keeps getting thrown out there that she's going to run. I keep saying she's not running. She's not running. She's not running. So, and I know some people are saying they think she's going to throw in her hat because this is somehow going to protect her against investigations or indictments. And I was telling you guys, I tried to look into any laws on that. Well, first off, in the 2016 election, both her and Trump were being investigated while they were campaigning. As far as indictment goes, I, I don't know the law on that, but I don't think that's true. So like what you were saying, Edge, talk about what you were talking about earlier. I think the theory of her running is to not the legalities of investigation or indictments, but mm -hmm. the court of public opinion, which they believe it is all that matters because they don't ever follow the law. But just so in the court of public opinion, she can claim that she's being attacked as a political opponent rather than like a legitimate investigation into illegal activities. Gotcha. I can't say for certain why Bannon threw that out there, but he mentioned Bloomberg and Hillary. And back in March, Hillary told New York's News 12, she said, I'm not running, but I'm going to keep on working and speaking and standing up for what I believe. They also reported on Michael Bloomberg and quoted him saying, I believe I would defeat Donald Trump in a general election, but I am clear eyed about the difficulty of winning the Democratic nomination in such a crowded field. And so I found it interesting that those are the two names he threw out there. And that he crowd's also getting knows. smaller, though. <laughs> yeah, right. It is. We've got Biden, who's probably going to be out soon with all of this Ukraine stuff. And then we have Bernie with his health issues. I know. Yeah. Something about his heart, right? Yeah. 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 So, so who have you got left? Booker, Kamala. Kamala, who lost, a, lost all chances the other day when she said uh, Trump should be taken off Twitter. Right? Yeah, that, that was ridiculous. That, that, that was ridiculous because polls have come out today, even though I don't trust polls or believe polls, but still indicating that she's lost a huge points going down. And it's definitely because of that. That's just straight up trying to silence an opponent. Right, right, <laughs> right. right. You, you want to talk about other people silencing a component. And so I think that, um, you know, Bianca knows that she's on a book tour right now with her daughter. 
she's got like back-to-back interviews going on everywhere. She was just on The View this morning. And so, and he also knows this whole impeachment thing. So he knows better than to state something like that. So I feel like it was sort of intentional. Like he was, what's the one sore spot for Hillary Clinton? The fact that she lost the election. Like what's the one question she probably doesn't want to be asked when she's out on all these interviews? Are you running for president? And it also throws shade on Biden by getting this in the news cycle because he's stating the Dems are throwing Biden away. So I don't know if those were his intentions, but I just, you know, he's a smart dude and I'm sure there was reason for him saying that, but I don't think for one minute she's running. And then while this is going on, Trump tweets out, he says, I won the right to be a presidential candidate in California in a major court decision handed down today. It was filed against me by the radical left governor of that state to tremendous media hoopla. The victory, however, was barely covered by the fake news. No surprise. So I thought that was interesting. I didn't even know that was going on. No, right? Yeah, yeah. The media doesn't report anything like that. Right, no. right. <laughs> it's interesting to just, I'm, I'm just trying to work out their field because like they're not cohesive in any of their candidates. You've got someone like Warren, then you've got socialists and you've got socialists and stuff that are not going to come out and vote for Biden even if he is because he's a rich white man. Like you've just got such a split field. I, do, I don't see any no one of them being able to unify a large segment of the population. No. Definitely You've even got corporate business dem donors saying that if Warren is a nominee, they won't be. Right. right? And that's why they're pushing so hard for this impeachment. It's like they're Hail Mary. I mean, what else are they going to do at this point? Exactly. Right. They're really, you know, floundering around here. Yeah. So now what's going on with Pompeo and Barr? So Barr and Durham were just in Italy and they were meeting with top officials to get to the bottom of what happened in the 2016 election and to investigate any impropriety by the FBI, the CIA, and other intelligence communities. And so it's alleged that Barr listened to a taped deposition of Joseph Mifsud, who was responsible for the setup of George Papadopoulos. He told Papadopoulos during the 2016 campaign that he had dirt on Hillary. Uh, turns out Mifsud is, he's a Maltese professor, and according to Devin Nunez, likely has ties to U.S., British, and Italian intelligence, as well as ties to Hillary's State Department. <laughs> Mifsud is still missing. Barr went there, and Durham went there to Italy just a few days ago to get to the bottom of that. And then Pompeo is there this week. So he just gave a press conference from Italy where he was asked questions on this whole impeachment thing. He didn't speak much about, it just seems like more of a meeting with figureheads meeting. But I I think there's more going on behind the scenes with Pompeo that's not being discussed. Because I just don't think it's a coincidence that Pompeo's in Rome just days prior to Barr and Durham going there. While he did the press conference, he was pressed about these investigations this probe for impeachment by the House Intel Committee. Pompeo did admit that he listened to the phone call between Trump and the Ukrainian President Zelensky. That's not inappropriate. That's totally within his 
authority to be able to do. The press is trying to maintain that there was some sort of impropriety with that. But Schiff also and Pelosi were also having their own press conferences about this impeachment inquiry and making threats to Pompeo that they must comply with subpoenas. And Pompeo responded to that. So Pompeo said he would not obstruct any House Dem probe into this Ukrainian call if they follow the rules, which they haven't been. Pompeo said the House Dems contacted State Department officials and warned them not to contact legal counsel before their testimony. And Pompeo (laughs) has said that that's not within the rules and that he's not going to allow his State Department officials to be bullied like that. Right. God, these people are relentless. Yeah. I, just, I just saw a tweet that, that made me laugh. It was Trump in a press conference and Nancy Pelosi hands out subpoenas like cookies. <laughs> right. Oh, I do want to mention one thing about Nancy Pelosi that I found interesting and her connection to the Ukraine. So she has an assistant or an intern who is the daughter of Roman Voronovich who has close ties to Alexandra Chalupa, that DNC Ukrainian operative (laughs) that I just spoke of, and also has ties to the Obama-appointed ambassador, Maria Yovanovitch, who is testifying at the House Intel Committee this week. So, yeah, so Pelosi has her own connections to this whole Ukraine thing as well. Yeah, and in other news happening in Italy, the Vatican was raided. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think it all connects somehow. So I'll just read this little segment here. So the Vatican police seized documents and electronics during searches Tuesday of the Holy See Secretariat of State and Financial Watchdog Agency after receiving official complaints about past financial operations. In a brief statement, the press office said the complaints concerning past financial operations arrived over the summer from the Vatican Bank and Auditor General's office. It said the chief prosecutor at the Vatican's criminal tribunal authorized the seizures. They were believed to be the first at the Secretariat of State, which coordinates the activities of the Holy See, functions as the seat of governance of the Universal Catholic Church, and oversees diplomatic relations within more than 180 nations. So I just want people to realize this is not a first. I mean, that may be a first of seizing materials from there, but they've had big financial issues for a long time. Just last year, I was looking this up because I actually remember when this went down last year. So the former IOR president went on trial at the Vatican's criminal tribunal on charges that he and his lawyer embezzled $68 million in Vatican real estate sales that they siphoned off between 2001 and 2008. And so that trial is still ongoing. And then I found this really interesting article that Business Insider did. And they're referencing a book that was written uh, called God's Bankers by Gerald Posner. And it chronicles their financial scandals. And you got to listen to some of these. I'm not going to go into detail on them, but we can post the link to this article under the video. But I'm just going to read this part that gives a quick brief background on the banking system there because it kind of paints a picture. So they were dealing with bankruptcy issues several times. And 
the Vatican appointed, this is back in 1929, they appointed Bernardino Nagara, I don't know if I'm saying that right, to be its new financial advisor. So he took and grew their $92 million into $1 billion. It was from an investment from Benito Mussolini. Then in World War II, they played this huge role in the creation of the Vatican Bank, as well as the unique power that it held. So as allies imposed restrictions on bank accounts, it became harder to move money around. So Nagaro created the bank called the Institute for Religious Works in 1942 to avoid having financial transactions tracked through Western banks. So because it resided in the Vatican City, it was exempt from all wartime restrictions and became the world's best offshore bank. So that quest to hold on to the money and power that followed resulted in shady deals, cover-ups, and scandals within the Vatican. And they list, they like go into five of some of the craziest scandals. And I'm just going to read the headlines of them. Making money directly off the murder of Jews during the Holocaust. Oh. Wow. Trying, yeah, yeah. Trying to buy fake securities from a mafia-linked counterfeit ring. Apparently, there were a lot of ties to mafia money in the Vatican. Using $5 million to cover up monks who were squandering donations, smuggling gold into Poland to overthrow the communist regime, laundering money for the mafia and other Italian elite. So just to put that in perspective, what we're seeing, you know, with these raids right now is not surprising. I think what is a little surprising is it's like the first time they've gone in to that secretary out of state to pull, you know, these documents. I find the timing of it quite curious, too, with all of these officials from the U.S. going over to investigate various things. Wow. The Vatican to be raided at the same time. Beyond coincidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- The Vatican's an interesting place. I just want to point out like four little bullet points I put together here because I've covered the Vatican in not extensively, but throughout about four different reports I've done, I've brought the, you know, mentioned the Vatican in there because they connect in several areas. So they've been, you know, they've been run by influencers for a long time. In one of my reports, I I talk about how the deep state population control and climate agenda folks are entwined with the Vatican how the ICMEC, which Hillary Clinton helped get off the ground, partnered with the Vatican and others to create the Declaration of Rome on Children's Rights. Pope Francis has tried to shame victims because of all the information coming out about the church pedophiles. I did a whole report on that. And he stated, these accusers are friends or relatives of the devil. And if they love the church, they will know how to forgive. Then... In my Arkansas Swamp article, two-part report, I had mentioned in there the Clintons were very tight with the Boggs family from Squire Patton Boggs, LLP. And back in 1997, when Bill Clinton was president, he appointed 81-year-old Lindy Boggs to be the U.S. ambassador to the Vatican. So my point is, this goes beyond, you know, financial scandal. There's, there's a lot of scandal around the Vatican. Most definitely. And yes, the Vatican Bank has been corrupt since its founding. This is nothing new, just the fact that they actually raided the place and took devices and material. That is what's interesting and the timing of it as well. So right. definitely so going to have to keep an eye on that. On that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I did hear an update today on it that five 
five officials and employees have been suspended um, as a result of that. So Interesting. I went to the Vatican about 10 years ago and there's some beautiful things in there when it comes to like artwork and stuff like that. But I felt really weird when, mm. when I was in there because I was looking at certain stuff and I was looking at there's so much gold in the Vatican. It will blow yeah. your mind. Like everything's made of gold. Their Bibles are made of gold. Their crosses are made of gold. And I'm just like, and it like occurred to me at the time, I'm just like, these are supposed to be men of God, not men of gold. And this whole place is just, and then you go outside the Vatican, it's just quite like poverish. It just didn't sit right with me. Yeah, I can oh, imagine. Definitely a weird feeling has come over me. Like there's certain things in there that's incredibly beautiful, like the Sistine Chapel and stuff like that. But that's- um, I've been to the Sistine Chapel, but I didn't go to the Vatican. Oh, okay. Yeah. Follow your instincts. They're usually not wrong. You know, <laughs> when you feel <laughs> that there's something wrong, you're probably right about it. And definitely mm. to have that kind of skepticism about the Vatican or the very top leaders in mm -hmm. Catholicism, you're not off the mark there. Look at Confucius yeah. A lot of corruption. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what's going on in Hong Kong. I know you've been keeping uh, up with that. Yeah, I'm always keeping up with foreign sort of things hong kong seems like well they, well they've been going for 17 weeks straight now and kind of like the yellow vest protests it seems to have evolved first it was about the extradition bill which they sort of won on a couple of weeks ago i mean that's been postponed indefinitely but once again it's postponed i don't know if the chinese are just waiting for the protest to go down then they can restate it and i mean that wouldn't surprise me but some of their goals and demands now are of course getting bigger one is the release and exoneration of all arrested protesters the resignation of carrie lamb an independent commissioner inquiry into um, police behaviors so the list and the goals have just there's probably another four or five more it's taken off like the yellow vests have taken off now it, it's full-on involved into something different and now it's almost like they're fighting for the freedom of Hong Kong, the, the complete independence of Hong Kong. So I'm torn in ways and I don't know where this is going to go. Yeah. And I, and I don't think a lot of people know where this is going to go because I don't think it's going to stop. There was widespread clashes on the weekend. Wasn't Pretty someone shot at like in the chest at point blank? One person was shot in the eye. There was a few other injuries, but I'm not going straight on my bias here because I do support the protesters, but there's been increasing violence on both sides. It's really ramping up now for a fight. So it's not just on one side. So like, oh, over the course of these 17 weeks, the death toll at the moment stands at eight, right? So eight people have died. They're all apparently reported suicides. Remember, take these numbers dubiously. These are official numbers coming out, but you just don't know. So it, there's been over 2,000 people injured, over 1,500 people arrested. There's been tactics that have clearly been employed by the Chinese to send undercover ops into the protesters, starting trouble. There was one that actually pulled a gun the other day in the middle of the crowd. So, so there's a lot of stuff going on in Hong Kong. Hong Kong and it's just it's hard to make a determination at the moment of where this is going to go it just seems like violence is ramping up Hong Kong wants sovereignty from what I'm gathering at the moment China's not going to give it to them. let's be honest I mean they still have they still run and own Nepal I haven't given that back to the Nepalese yet, right? <laughs> That's gone back 30 years. Didn't the UK establish them as sort of some sort of sovereign government? 
and then relinquish that control? What was it like um, maybe 50 years ago or something? Yeah, yeah, uh, no, 1997, I think. Oh, okay. It's just from memory. But yeah, so the, so the British had control over Hong Kong pretty much. It was it was a, a it was a British sort of estate until they gave it back to the Chinese, became a special uh, administrative region. Like I said, Hong Kong is very westernized compared to China because of that. And um, Hong Kong is asking for some sort of backup from the Western world. The, the UK have abandoned them completely. After they gave it back to China, the UK hasn't had done anything. They've completely wiped their hands of Hong Kong, which is sad. And also it makes it really complicated for the Hong Kong situation because they are extremely westernized. They are extremely industrial and capitalistic compared to other parts of China, which is a communist country, of course. There's freedoms and all that that are not allowed in China that the Hong Kong people are so used to. Now it's slowly getting degenerated. It's getting getting taken away from them. It does look like they're in a fight for some sort of sovereignty here, but where that's going to go... I have no idea. I think from looking at it, and it's it's only kind of going to kind of get worse because their goals have ramped up. I really feel for the people of Hong Kong. Yeah, just, absolutely. Just want them to know from an American standpoint that we support them and we hope that they do maintain their sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they're not really sovereign. Like they're still a part of China. They're still part of the administrative region, but there's certain rules that's laid down for them. They have their own sort of constitution that was implied by the British at the time, which means Hong Kong are independent in certain things. And they have certain rights that mainland China does not. But once again, the Chinese are slowly eroding these people's constitutional rights. So, sort of constitutional rights. It's not as written in stone as it is with the American constitution, but that's what they're pretty much trying to protect the sovereignty of. And it's, you know, it's slowly getting degenerated. I've been to Hong Kong a few times. I've done business there on and off and I love Hong Kong. Hong Kong is a beautiful place compared to mainland China. I've been to both. I used to do a lot of business through Asia and there's no comparison from being in Hong Kong and then going to mainland China. I hate mainland China, even in a business standpoint, even from the people standpoint. I just, I just, don't like the interaction with how the Chinese society is, but the Hong Kong society was completely different. It was like we're working with a Western country and it was like we're working with people that were very similar to me. I would definitely keep an eye on that. But yeah, there there was an interesting thing. They had a huge Pepe chain going around the other day, so that was pretty cool. Um, (laughs) Yeah, of like like little cardboard cutout Pepes holding hands. I love it. They really are revolutionizing protests because they do some amazing stuff. They keep changing it up and they keep coming up with these new ways to protest and make an impact. But then on the downside to that, there's fire in the streets in the other end as well. So, Well, before we close out, I just want to read this tweet that I missed earlier by Trump because I think it's a fantastic tweet. He says, the do-nothing Democrats should be focused on building up our country, not wasting everyone's time and energy on bullshit. And he says that all in caps which is what they have been doing ever since I got overwhelmingly elected in 2016 to 23 to 306. Get a better candidate this time. You'll need it. Mm, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) They don't know. They do not know what to do with him. (laughs) They don't. don't. That's why they're putting this thing over his head and they're trying to loom it. It's not going to work. Once again, it will backfire. Even if it does go through an inquiry and it goes to the house, one, the Senate, they don't have the numbers. And two, McConnell can just table it. It's not going anywhere. It's just another form of trying to defame the president. Mm. Right. Keep the heat off them and keep the population once again focused on the fact that, that Trump in their eyes is a criminal. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Yep. On that note, let's close out. Guys, thanks so much for listening to us here on Dig It with speaker Corey Stiggs and myself, The Sharp Edge. Be sure to check all the links below. And also, please share, like, and subscribe and hit that bell. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. You get yeah. pro at that. <laughs> get good at that. <laughs> Thank you.